Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 57. Today is about change. This week, we're discussing Buffy season three finale, Graduation Day part two, as well as our favorite episodes and the broader themes and character development of series four of Doctor Who. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, Buffy, season three, we have three seasons under our belt. Very exciting. Wow. Wow. In a smidge over a year. (laughs) I know. the The timing of these things always... It never ceases to amaze me. It always never. Um, yeah. <laughs> it always never. <laughs> um, cool. It always never. It always never ceases. Yeah. Um, no, it is pretty cool that that it just sort of works out like that. So. Yeah. Nice. So, um, before we get to talking about the episode itself, um, mm-hmm. or the like story part of it, uh, I think you had a few production things that you wanted to mention. I do. So a few weeks ago, we talked about how Earshot was sort of uh, preempted, um, you know, after the the re, um, events of Columbine and, and sort of what happened there. And I wanted to note that actually this episode also got preempted. It got moved. Um, it was originally scheduled to air on May 25th, 1999, mm. um, just yeah, again, you know, we're we're recording this on on May 29th of oh, 2014. Wow. So, you know, oh my gosh. same similar time of year. Um unfortunately, similar circumstances too. There was just recently, you know, a shooting um that happened yeah. a few days ago on on a college campus and and very sad. Um and similarly, again, unfortunately, um just a month after the Columbine shooting, there was actually another shooting at Heritage High in Conyers, Georgia, um, on May 20th. So again, this was to air on May 25th, so just five days before this broadcast. And and as with Earshot, um, the, de- the depictions of violence in this episode made a number of people nervous. Um, clearly, the blowing up of the school. I mean, yeah. you know, that's yeah. obviously the big one. But But just the fact of you know, kids bringing weapons to graduation weapons and, and, right, and, and, and violence, and violence happening on general. school grounds. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really made a lot of people nervous and you can sort of understand it. Um, so, so they, uh, the WB decided to delay it. They, you know, again, ran some other Buffy episode and, and remember at this point, earshot had not yet run either. So, um, mm. they, they actually moved it out, ended up, uh, showing this episode on July 13th in the middle of summer when, you know, again, this is before DVRs or the early days of DVRs and stuff. Um, you know, yeah. obviously there were VCRs and whatever, but, uh, you know, they moved it out to July 13th, um, almost two months after the original scheduled date. Uh, but again, still before Earshot. Earshot, again, didn't, you know, go right. until uh, September. So so right. you still you have sort of this weird weird kind of um uh uh order that's going on but uh that that had to have been hard for the people who wanted to finish out the season though and see how it ended and everything yeah so you know i don't know um exactly i i i I would imagine they probably replayed part one you know uh re-aired it 
right before this so that people weren't coming into it cold or anything and and hopefully yeah. gave some information there but i just you know again you know you have this sort of um you know conflation of of or or, or you know coming together i guess uh, a convergence of of real world violence and, and sort of the depicted violence in, in this and, and some of the themes going on. Interestingly. So, you know, I talked about how, um, even like Joss Whedon and, and folks said, you know, as soon as Columbine happened, they knew they couldn't air earshot. Yeah. Um, the, the people involved in this actually had a somewhat different reaction. Uh, both uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and Seth Green explicitly uh, or especially spoke out against the WB's decision mm. to move this episode. Um, and, and there's an article uh, in Entertainment Weekly. And, and you know what? Shoot, I didn't I didn't take the notes, but but basically, you know, saying that um, Seth Green, you know, especially said that that you know, it's a topical issue and, and we can, you know, avoid talking about it. If we want to, we can avoid, you know, try to avoid seeing these images. But the fact is that it's, it's a growing problem. Uh, it hasn't only happened in Colorado. This, this most recent one, you know, happened in Georgia. And we talked about, I think you talked about last time with your shot, how, you know, there's, there's sort of like, we tend to think of Columbine as the beginning of it, but no, there were, there, there were things going on all the time. And, and, you just don't necessarily hear about them all. And, and even in a more recent, you know, um, with the UC Santa Barbara shootings um, and, and violence in general, I mean, there were people stabbed and whatever too. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, there's violence of, you know, many types going on. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one article I read is said on average, there's a mass killing of some kind in the U S every two weeks or so, um, mm. you know, so it's, we don't hear about them all. And, and I don't know if that's better or worse. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things. It's like, or, you know, is it being swept under the rug and just every now and then one of them refuses to stay there or, or we notice the lump or something or, or is it really something that we need to pay more attention and talk about? And, and we might have different ideas about the causes and, and more importantly, the resolutions, but, Right. You know, as as sort of Seth Green was saying there, it's, you know, just pushing out a TV episode and, and sort of burying it in the middle of summer doesn't help the conversation. And in fact, you know, especially with Earshot, you know, that was clearly a message against the violence. This one, right. um, you know, again, it's it's defending against the violence. So is, right. is that not a proper response? You know, the violence isn't caused uh, by by the students in any way, they're reacting to it and protecting themselves and, and you know, trying to save themselves from the violence that's being perpetrated on them by other yeah. more powerful people and creatures and whatever. So, yeah, that to me, you know, that to me is sort of the big difference is the earshot, you know, clearly, I mean, there's certain imagery in this, like the idea of kids hiding weapons under their robes or the or just the the image of of a bomb exploding the library like you can see how those images are yeah. are you know i guess sensitive you know but but the content of the story is very different and like obviously like you said neither episode you know endorses this kind of you know, school violence in any way. Both of them have positive messages. But at least with Earshot, you understood that it, 
it hit very close to home and that it was student on student violence and it was right and, and it was real world violence it was about a kid or, or what you think is a kid bringing a gun into school mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. it hit close to home in a more you know targeted way whereas this is more clearly you know it, it's it's the fantasy which pushes it more into the realm of metaphor, you know, it, right, right. because it's, it's not, it's not a kid bringing a gun in. It's, it's a, you know, evil demon who becomes a giant snake beast and right. they're defending themselves. And, and I'm not saying that that means it's without like emotional or thematic resonance or anything, but you have more of a level of remove when it's, in sure. that kind of, you know, more fantastic story, you know, sure. and it is more about, you know, it, it's not, it's not the threat of, of people bringing violence to the school. It's more about kids defending themselves and standing yeah. up. So And, and not allowing yourself to be a victim, you know. Yeah, to it's, it's totally, yeah. it's totally dealing, it's not telling the same story. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? I, so I can, I can kind of see you know on the one hand you could see oh you know there's a bomb in the school that's gonna you know push buttons or something but like i think i'd have to side with you know the actors and the producers on this one that you know okay at what point do you just start you know uh censoring every and anything that has you know any violence really you know at what point do you start sheltering people from reality? You know, like, like in this way, you know, not, not allowing them to do, you know, uh, even a more fantastic version, you know, of this kind of story becomes a little bit more evasive in the negative sense, you know, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're just going to kind of, if, if we don't look at it, it'll go away kind right. of a reaction. Right. Cause that always um, works. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I I can I can kind of see why they would have been nervous, but but yeah, I I'd, I'd totally have been with Seth Green and the rest of them. Um Yeah. So, you know, I, and not to dwell too much on that, and I I definitely want to come back because I think you know, I was so adamant about wanting to watch the original order of stuff. And I think yeah, your shot yeah. does in other ways, more thematically have impact here, you know, along with the other stories sort of all along um, when we yeah. get to that point. But um, I'll, I'll kick it back to you then. I think you, you wanted to start. Um, well, I'll, where, where would you like to start sort of the discussion? Well, well let's, let's start with the big giant snake monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since so. we brought him up. So, uh, uh, yeah, where, what would, okay. Now we've seen the Ascension and yes. we've been sort of questioning all along. Um, yeah. Anything like what you were thinking? Um, well, he was definitely bigger. Like Anya said he would be. Yes. I don't know. He was more, um, <laughs> more CGI, <laughs> more CGI. Well, bigger sort of implied that that would have to be the case. I guess. More so than the CGI, I think I was not necessarily expecting how, like, physically tangible he was. Like, mm. I think I was expecting something more, um, like, demonic in the sense of spiritual. Like, 
Okay. Like, that he would become this sort of, you know, spirit kind of demon or something. Yeah, like, something yeah. a little harder to sort of maybe, maybe something more like the first, you know? Like, yeah. kind of more more intangible or something. And that's well, interesting because I, I think So you're... I definitely, I definitely, and I think because he's been a man all along, he hasn't ever looked particularly monstrous, mm. you know? So I wasn't expecting him to literally, like, you know... I mean, we knew he was going to transform, but I wasn't expecting, like, a giant snake, basically. I mean, and he's more than that. He's got, like, a weird sort of pincher mouth thing and everything. Right, but, like, right. Yeah, yeah. But... But, yeah, he's, like, he's a big worm sort of, of some type. Uh, definitely, he was more sort of physical than I imagined. So that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Um... Yeah, no, and that's because I think you're right with this sort of like the idea of ascension. I think you're right. There is sort of an inherent connotation that we have of thinking of that as like a higher plane, you know, like, right, right. you know, sort of a Buddha like ascending, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, right. Into like nirvana. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put off this this mortal flesh and ascend to the realm of you know spiritual power stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that's more what I had in mind. And I think. I think there are some hints, um, you know, especially in the last episode. I mean, as we kind of get, you know, the idea that it's, you know, the the, the volcanologist found uh, uh, what he thinks might be a new type of dinosaur. But right, even right. at that, like, I think you're right. Like, there's he's almost completely a physical being. There's no real spiritual aspect to him at all. You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, so. So, yeah, I can see where you you would definitely think that. Um Hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of interesting. Like how much of that buildup is him sort of, not that he wasn't impressive or powerful or deadly or anything, but how much of that is him almost puffing himself up? Like is, is he talking about it almost to be more impressive than it really is? Like, like that's almost his own, ego getting in there that he talks about it as if it's this ascending to a higher plane right when when in reality you know he's bigger he's meaner he's you know more likely to kill you but yeah. he doesn't seem to be you know he didn't really change anything in terms of like you know dimensional you know yeah. power or no, anything no. so and it kind of it kind of suggests interesting <laughs> things about his character and like how does he talk about the ascension versus what the ascension actually is i guess right and i i think that sort of goes along with the the idea that we've seen sort of develop especially you know uh between you know sort of end of season two beginning season three with um, angel, you know, the idea of hell dimensions, right? It's not mm. a spiritual, it's actually is a more physical sort yeah. of existence, you know, uh, going from one dimension to another. So what does demon even sort of mean? And we get, you know, like those little hints of like the demon that just wanted to sell the books of Ascension. Right. So what is, right. You know, his interest is money. He's not really, he's not a demon demon. He's not like, yeah. out to kill people and stuff. He's just kind of doing what people do and, you know, trying yeah. to earn some money. Um, 
you know, maybe in nefarious ways, but still, you know, that's again, how, you know, you start questioning, where do you draw that line? And I think that's one of the things that we see here that, yeah, they're really, I mean, it's, there's still magic, but not spiritualism, you know, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like the, the magic is a natural sort of, and and we talked about that even in season one, you know, the magic is more scientific maybe than in other sort of fantasy stories where there are like spirits and ghosts and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, right. It's more about recipes for things and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And we might not necessarily know how it works and it might be a little hocus pocusy, but it's, you know, again, like there, there do seem to be some sort of laws, even if they're not always sort of clear to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, and definitely, I mean, the idea being that he just morphs into this huge, yeah. oppressive, grotesque, uh, you know, evil thing. Um, but evil in sort of an animal sense still, yeah. right? Like, it's, yeah, again, yeah. you're, you're well, not... Well, and that's, again, the, the physicality, yeah. you know, like, what's what seems to be is the monstrousness you know not like it's not a spiritual evil or you know in the sense of like yeah it just seems like the the you know he really it kind of just seems like the plan is to just ascend and then you know have his way with the town he can just sort of feast and uh like yeah you know control and it, it doesn't it's not like he has any grandiose you know, sophisticated plan, you know, he pretty much. Well, and it, it seems like this, you, you know, cause he, he sort of says uh, when, when you're getting kind of the back and forth between Buffy telling her plan and the mayor telling his plan, you know, he sort of says, you know, Oh, you know, it's important. It's critical that, that I keep, that I feed, you know, mm, yeah. so much in the first, however, you know, whatever the amount of time is. And, and so you get this idea that that's, really his vulnerable point but after that yeah he's it's kind of like once he gets past that certain you, yeah. you know he says he needs to feed to sustain the change once he's changed you know sort of fully and and has that um momentum going it seems like yeah he'll he'll be pretty nigh unstoppable um yeah and and i think you're right like yeah like he's been cultivating this town just for this purpose for the last right. 100 years he literally right. built the town to have a source of protein for his you know metamorphosis <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um so yeah uh very very interesting uh sort of thing there but yeah and and you know appropriately you know we've brought up or at least i have brought up you know his kind of status as a politician more than mm-hmm. once. So appropriately serpentine and snaky yeah. to go along with <laughs> right. that. He's you a know. snake. He's our he, real snake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that works. That works. <laughs> and, um, and uh, I don't quite want to go into faith too much yet, but you, you get the, the, the payoff of the human weakness, you know, that he still has enough, of his old self in there to let Buffy's taunts get to him. Um, you know, and so that was nice, like to get the chase through the school, you know, so that means that the school gets destroyed. Cause he's kind of, you know, uh, 
um, you right, know, you're seeing all of squirming like, through like yeah. all the different hallways that we've seen, all the classrooms, yeah. Yeah. all the doorways, <laughs> and then finally culminating in the library, which and it, that kind of cracked me up. Um, was the, the well, gosh, well, gosh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was a little cheesy. But a little, I kind yeah. of liked it. Um, it's very cheesy, yeah. but I think you're right. I mean, very cheesy. It, it, it's. I actually think it's one. It, it it's so cheesy that you just it's can't so, help. It's, it's but laugh. so. It's. I mean, that's and that's camp, right? Like right. it's so bad that it's it's good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And and you feel like well that's deliberate. Like, you know, it it's it's so far out the other door that it comes back around in the right one again you know so yeah i i thought that that did work um so yeah and i mean you know for a physical monster an appropriately physical end you know it's not like a spell or anything Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. get him into one place and pile all the tnt together and everything right so um you know that that obviously made a lot of sense. Yep. Um, yep. I, so let's talk to a little about like the leading up to that moment because because yeah. I think I think it's important. Like you said, don't necessarily want to go talk about faith yet, but but sort of like the whole like the build up to the moment of ascension. You get well um, the 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 speech was really his. I mean, again, perfect that he would be doing the commencement speech. Mm-hmm. Um, right, my, right. One of my favorite parts in the whole episode was when they when they realize when he starts talking and Buffy says, "My God, he's going to do the entire speech, <laughs> yeah. Willow." And man, just ascend already. And it's right. like that just brings it down right back down to the most mundane, you know, high school level. You right, know, right. like. What's the real horror of the situation? Everyone's been there, you know. Yeah, and yeah. like, who you wants would... to sit through a half hour speech before yeah. you have to get up and walk? Yeah, it, it totally undercuts. Yeah, the epic and the melodrama and all the like big important season finale stuff, and just brings it down to, man, we've all been there, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and that that's the most evil thing about him is they wish he would just get on with it and not inflict him inflict them with his pontificating um sure sure. but one of the things i thought was interesting about his speech was he kind of says you know to his demon his vampire army like you know i think it's he says like this will speak to everyone it's it you know this will mean and in some ways he's kind of right you know there there's a lot of what his speech is saying that maybe means more than what he realizes. I mean, I think it's full of all these sly references to his own transformation, you know, like he's talking about his journey's end and what is a journey. And, you know, it's not just the time spent. It's, it's, it's the way you change and what happens to you and nothing's ever going to be the same. Like this is all him, like being kind of, coyly Mm self-referential but actually you know actually a lot of those sentiments are correct you know i mean not in the way that he means them but you know journey and 
you know, graduation and getting to a turning point in your life is about all those things. You know, it is about, you know, not just, you know, what you do, but how you're changed along the way and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, right. You know, I thought that was nice how it kind of does double duty for his own sort of shallow references to the Ascension and then like the larger meaning of, Right. You know, what it means for the characters and everything. Yeah. No, there's there's definitely a real sense of double entendre and and uh you know the the right, what you know, what is a journey? Is it the distance traveled, time spent? No, it's what happens on the way. It's the things that happen to you. Um and at the end of the journey you're not the same. And and there's also a meta level to that too, right? Cuz now yeah. we know well, we don't know when he's saying that necessarily, you know, if we're watching it for the first time, but the high school is done. Like, this isn't just you're leaving high school and never coming back. Yeah. The high school no longer exists by the end of this episode. Like, right. you're, you're not even, this isn't even like, hey, we made it through, which which you do get that nice moment right at the end of Oz saying, hey, let's take a moment to reflect, <laughs> you know, that we made yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not just that. It's that there is no going back. You you know, right. the entire show has to change after this angels leaving. You know, we, I think, yeah. I think, you know, everyone sort of knows, or it's been announced or whatever that Cordelia is leaving. and is going to be, yeah. you know, go moving over to the show angel and stuff too. Um, you know, Wesley talks about having to go back to England, you know, like mm-hmm. things are going to change. Like this is not just, gonna this is not gonna be the same show after it. And so yeah. so I, I think it works on on a number of levels. I think you're absolutely right. Within obviously the mayor's sort of talking about himself. Obviously it has a different sort of pertinence for the characters, but then even, you know, it's almost like Joss is saying to the people like and and it's funny because we all sort of know what Joss is famous for now. But mm. people did not know that when yeah. he first wrote this, right? People did not know that he likes to shake things up. Yeah. Um well, and, you know, that's if I can kind of make a connection between the two shows for a second. That's a very strong point of connection between the two. Like what it reminds me of is with the doctors and regeneration. Mm-hmm. It's not just it changes, but in order to get a new doctor, the old doctor has to die. Right. You know, you have to put away the old in order to get the new. You mm-hmm. can't have both. And yeah. so that's to me what all this blowing up of the high school is about is yep in order to move on you have to destroy the past in a way you know like people talk about like when you go back to you know something that meant to you uh you know in your childhood like an old favorite place it's not the same it's not there anymore you know and so this is like again like a literalization of that idea like you said like there's literally no going back because it's not there anymore. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. So or, it sort of is a, right. a, you know, a reminder of even if you wanted it to not change, even if you wanted to go back, you can't just by yeah. nature of the fact that that's what growing up means. And that's what changing means. Yep. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, and I would say, you know, also that there's this, well, you know, and we'll talk about it maybe more in our, our recap next week of, of the season, but 
there are a lot of people who consider season three to be sort of the epitome and and some who I've talked to or, or that I've seen arguments, you know, online or whatever, have sort of, you know, espoused the idea that it's because of the very metaphorical nature of the high school and all that, that it just works, that it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that once they get away from that, the change is not as good, that it's, mm. you know, the story, obviously, like we're talking about, has to change. It, yeah. You can't have the same... Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of sort of idea. So I don't agree with that. I've mentioned before that I sort of take a different mm-hmm. view of, of the overall arc of the entire series than than a lot of people do. But, um, you know, it is worth sort of acknowledging that 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 there are people who are uncomfortable with this change as well, you know, and sure. and, and that the very idea of the change, you know, is a bad thing, which, which is true of any show. But but there's also yeah. the idea that show a show has to change in order to stay sort of relevant and you know everyone wants whether it's tv shows or bands or authors or whatever they want them to get better without changing you know what i mean they want them to they they, like it's always the constant thing well yeah you know this band has a different style than they did with their in their first album well that's maybe a good thing you know, like, right. The, the right. Idea you're that, either, you're either stagnating or you're, you are, you know, uh, or not you're changing the same as you used to be, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you can't, yeah, either, either it's too repetitive and too, you know, homogenous or, or people don't like it cause you change too much. It's, there seems to be like no middle ground and people don't give sort of that, um, you know, uh, benefit of the doubt and, and sort of, Accept it on, you know, accept the new part, the new right, work accept it on, on its, its own, own terms. Merit. So, right, because that becomes, I think, if you keep an open mind about it, that's what becomes interesting is, um, you know, okay, if the show does change, it can't abide the same structure as it did. Well, then, how is the new structure different? And how is that interesting? You know, and, and right. it doesn't have to be a better or worse. dichotomy it can be it's just different and maybe maybe it closes down certain you know thematic avenues but i'm sure it opens up other ones you know that you wouldn't have had while they were in high school yeah so yeah i mean so yeah and i I don't mean to get too far down the road with with that but i you know today is about change and and i think it's worth acknowledging you know that that's you know, I, again, you know, when it was airing live and whatever, I don't think people really had an idea of how much. Joss right. Like could you could have just, you could have just thought, stuff. you could have just thought this is, you know, I mean, it would have been kind of silly to think this, but you could imagine people, this being one of those shows where like a cartoon, they're just the same age forever, you know, whereas this is yeah. Joss like, saying definitively no this isn't yeah. like High the simpsons or something you know right, it's like right. no they're actually going to get older and grow and go in different directions so right right yeah if you and and you know it's tough when things you like change but i think you know, it's kind of also cathartic to blow up the high school. <laughs> so, right, you know, right. you can kind of enjoy it for what it is and look forward to the next yeah. stage, I think. It's it's not Beverly Hills 90210. Anyway. 
yeah, even exactly. even though it was filmed in the same place. Um, anyway, sorry, <laughs> the the same high school. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I I think I think there's a lot of good stuff in in that speech. Um, of course, we don't get to hear his portion on civic pride and no. all of that um, because because he's changes. I love that he like you know this mayor who you know, has so many things sort of, you know, his, his little checklist and has everything sort of planned down to the detail. Doesn't give himself enough time to talk about all of the points that he wanted to make. No, no. <laughs> um, just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so we can't, and anything else about sort of the graduation and the Ascension portion, um, that you wanted to, to talk about? Uh, well, no, I think I'd like to go, um, I mean, the other major thing that I want to make sure we spend time on with the mayor is uh, the stuff with Faith, because yeah, we, absolutely. it would be kind of disappointing at this point if we didn't talk about that. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Obviously, this <laughs> is like the big, I mean, she's yeah. what, she's what you know, gets him killed in the end is, you know, he takes Buffy's taunt and can't help himself. And, yeah. you know, and that would suggest a certain amount of affection. Um, mm -hmm. You yeah, know, and, I and, mean, and... I, and I, I don't, I'm willing to, I, I mean, I, I still think he's hypocritical. I still think he uses faith, but am I also willing to believe that those things can be true? And he also, you know, has something, you know, clearly has, you know, affection for her. Yeah. I mean, obviously sure. it's, and if, and if that wasn't clear before the end, it's pretty, you know, incontrovertible by the end of the episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I think even right in the beginning of the episode, so it, you know, it opens with Buffy sort of still looking out, right. You know, exactly where we left her last yeah. week. Um, but then, you know, you, you get one, you know, Joss is sort of classic moving from one scene to the next. That, you know? that pan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and going into the, um, uh, apartment there and you have the mayor and, and I just, you know, that that ending, you know, after he sort of is like angry and yelling at the vampire to find out yeah, what yeah. happened, you know, he goes, Faith's a good girl. She can take anything they throw at her. She's going to be all right. She'll be all right. She'll be all right. That sort yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. It's that repetition. Yeah. The pathetic You're trying to repetition. convince yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that's and. You know, OK, maybe like I'll, I'll totally, you know, admit that maybe I was. Back you know, dating my <laughs> idea about the affection that he has for her. But I, I do think still that it's sort of there all along and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, it just isn't as explicit, like you say, until, until, mm -hmm. you know, this part here. Yeah. Um, and you get those moments of, you know, they're in the hospital and mm -hmm. he says, it's your day. You know, yeah. no one else is around. It's just him and a, right. a comatose faith. Um, you know, yeah. how angry, like he, I don't remember seeing him any other yeah, point in this yeah. season get so angry yeah. as he does. When, right. Cause he's always got the smiles and the right. like, you know, 
insincere smiles, but like, you know, he's always, you know, that kind of squeaky clean, wholesome chipper, you know, mm-hmm. even if he's the bad guy, he still tries to come across as this sort of right. and there's positive, you know, where he and there's, gets annoyed. Or, yeah, no, it, you know, it whatever, peeks but... through, but obviously like the, the, the part of him yelling at them to find her and then, you know, his reaction to finding Buffy in the hospital and, and what he says to Angel, to especially, Angel. Yeah, yeah. you know, because he's been so, again, that two-faced aspect, you know, he's so, he's the one who's saying, you know, guys, watch your language and everything, mm-hmm. but, but then he's, you know, pulling out, you know, you and your little whore to Angel, right. you know, Murderous so. little fiend. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. So. You know. And and the the vitriol with which he says it, I yeah, mean, it's just yeah. like dripping, literally yeah. dripping. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then again, like Angel, you know, throws him against the wall or whatever, and he gets up and he's back to the, ah, okay, you know, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. He puts that mask right back on, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, oh, somebody's eating, you know, his spinach and stuff. So, yeah. So like, he was always kind of smarmy, but. I think in the final sort of couple of episodes, you finally get to see what the smarminess is covering up. You know, the really, you know, nasty side. Like, you kind of knew that he had something dirty underneath, but, like, you you get to really see what is he like when he's properly, properly angry. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I think that also, the fact that that, that it's faith and his affection or whatever you want to call it towards her, which is what breaks the mask ultimately. Sure. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think that that that's because it's that, which gets to his true self. I yeah. think that that again, sort of gives a, you know, verisimilitude to the idea that he does, he does have some sort of true affection or true right, feeling right. for her. Well, and in a um, way, even though it brings out his scariest sides, you know, that's the little bit of goodness and humanity left in him. Is <laughs> right, his, right. It's is this... the fact that he feels something for somebody else. Distorted anger and, and yeah. 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 Attempt to like at least, Buffy at least stuff. it's, I mean, it's completely misguided. I mean, obviously, you know, you're calling Buffy a murderous little fiend, you know, in comparison to faith, you know, so, you know, right. <laughs> his sense of morality is slightly askew, but at least it's showing something for somebody else besides himself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you you have to take that as a good thing, I think, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever little bit of goodness is left. Right. Yeah, there's there's some, it, it's the human weakness. And, and that's interesting. You know, they don't even call it um, they don't even refer to it as something good. The, the only time they say human in this right. episode, I think only twice, the word weakness comes after it. <laughs> you know, the the yeah. idea that being human is is in it's itself a weakness, a weakness. Yeah. and um, that. But that's also the part that can be attacked. But like you're saying, it's also the part that kind of makes him good in a way. Like, yeah, if there's a redeeming quality, it is that weakness. It's mm-hmm. the the affection that he does have for faith. And and it may not be enough for us to empathize with him, you know, but yeah. it's it's something it's there and it points 
to a, you know, again, to that idea, you know, we've heard him refer to his wife and, and the belovedness that he supposedly had for her and the growing old with her, which didn't work out so well because she got angry with him for staying young. But there's still that idea that at some point he was a human, he was in love, he had a wife and now yeah. he has an affection of some kind for faith. So, mm. yeah. 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 Um, but maybe enough about the mayor. Any any other final thoughts there? Uh, no. Well, I was just going to say, speaking of faith. Okay. Um, <laughs> speaking uh, of faith. Speaking of faith. So, um, she is not dead. So, right. If you didn't see them die, they're not dead. That's the rule. Right. Um, and and we get though that she may never wake up from her coma. Right. She has a a low chance of recovery. Right. Um. So, you know. Uh. But again, um. You know, this is none of these are like supernatural wounds, right? She wasn't bit, no, no, no. You know, by a vampire. She wasn't magically. No, she has like induced, head trauma. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So. We've also seen Buffy very sick and how quickly she heals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just point that out without giving any spoilers that, you know. Okay, Faith is presently in a coma, but that doesn't yes, necessarily... Yes, we're going to just leave her there for a while. Right, um, right. We will not be shocked if she turns up, but I will place no predictions as to when, when, or, how or, when or how, yeah, um, you know. I suspect that we will see her again, but I really don't know anything about when that might be or what, you know, who, you know, she would meet or what the circumstances would be. So, um, but, uh, we do get, even though she's in a coma, we get this little weird trippy shared dream between her and Buffy, um, which was really also really unexpected. I didn't, you know what really surprised me about it was like the kind of the tone of it like it seemed kind of forgiving on both sides you know and Mm. Buffy kind of points out is this your dream or mine and that reminded me of through the looking glass because in the end Alice can't decide sure um she wakes up and says you know because she saw the, the the red king napping and dreaming Hmm. And and I think it's one of the Tweedles says this is his dream and and so when she gets back she says he was part of she says which dreamed it he was part of my dream of course but then I was part of his dream too right um so that just made me think you know I wonder wonder if Joss had that chapter in mind when he wrote this you know because it ends with is this your mind or mine and it's kind of unclear you know is it both you know uh. Yeah, it and... seems to kind of be both. I mean, there seems to be a a two wayness about it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Faith wakes up and she wants to kill Buffy as much as she ever did. But it seemed to me like there was a mutual forgiveness and understanding, at least within the context of the dream. Yeah. That's what it seemed to me. Yeah, and and I think I think you're close to right i mean i you know however you want to interpret that it's it's i think that definitely we're meant to see that like you said in sort of a forgiving sort of way they're both mellow right um they're kind of in 
I mean, not a neutral place, right? It's it's Faith's apartment, but it's right. after the fact. It's like, all right, we've had our beat down session. Now right. we're kind of both calmed down and <laughs> we, right. can, and, we can and, talk to each other. And, and speaking of change, all the boxes are packed. Like they're like there's going to be a move, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, again, not knowing whose dream it is. What, you right. know, what does that symbolize? Is, right. Who's packing? Who's and one what of are them, they packing for? You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Is one of them going somewhere and, and right. why and all of that? Um, right. And you also that could be Buffy, you know, get preparing for this transition to college or adulthood but that could almost you know that could be faith packing for a different kind of journey you know <laughs> like right, you're not yeah. it's ambiguous and um you also get sort of the physicality of you know you get the broken window and stuff and yeah and faith refers to scar tissue so like yeah. is that you know compensation right. for you know the real life physical being manifested in sort yeah. of the, the mental dream state and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also and you wanna... get the, and you get the little flash of, of her laying in the bed, like just mm. for a second, there's that sort of superimposed image, you know, yeah. of her yeah. in the coma and everything. Right. And the knife that was used to put yeah. her there. And that, yeah. um, I also want to point out that we have gotten earlier in the season, Buffy and angel sharing dreams. Mm. Um, you know, That's so right. it's not the first time that we've seen yeah. someone else appearing in another person's dream. Right. Okay. Um, I kind of had not forgot about it, but I hadn't really connected that together. But that um, makes sense. Yeah. And and just sort of the idea that if if Buffy has prophetic dreams, then probably Faith does, too, because she's also a slayer. You know, that right. seems to be right. a, a slayer sort of trait. Right. Um, Significant dreams. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it wouldn't be you know, far off to necessarily put all that together and say, well, yeah, there, this is extenuating circumstances, you know, very emotional, very, uh, psychic in a way, you know, very traumatic, uh, that, that they could sort of be meeting here together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, and, 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 um, you, you know, your, I didn't, I didn't think about through the looking glass, but your comment there, um, uh, Reminds me of, you know, Faith, miles to go, Little Miss Muffet counting mm -hmm. down from 730, you know, like it's, 730. It, you know, there's, again, this sort of like weird fairy tale aspect to that. Like, the, yeah, uh, the kind of the, riddle, riddling and, yeah, great word, and word games and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So, again, you get, you know, sort of a Cheshire-ish cat kind yeah, of thing that yeah, might absolutely. be said. Um, Cheshire-ish cat. Wow. <laughs> anyway. um <laughs> So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think you're right, though. Definitely the tone overall seems to be, I mean, Faith gives her the link, right? If 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 we're assuming that this is a shared dream and that it's, you know, both of them there presently, it's not just Buffy dreaming of what Faith would yeah. say to her. It's actually Faith, you know, mentally there as well. The fact that Faith then gives her what yeah. the key to the mayor is does sort of seem to imply, I think I would agree yeah. with you in that, that it implies that there's a forgiveness and an admission of wrong on her part. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. What, what do we do with that? Well, Buffy takes it and, and Buffy seems to think so too, because even later she, you know, she says, well, faith told me it's not, yeah. Oh, I dreamed that faith told yeah, me. Yeah, I it's, dreamed that faith told me. It's, yeah, it's actually 
Faith telling her and 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 you know the of course Willow well was that before or after you put her in a coma <laughs> after, after. And it's like it's completely obvious to Buffy that that's a perfectly fine answer to say yeah, yeah. so um I think I think it's I think your interpretation is is as close to being right as we can be sure of <laughs> um At and I point, and I would yeah. I would say I yeah. I yeah, pretty much think along those same lines, you know, mm. at this point. So, um, okay. The, the, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about faith except that then when Buffy wakes up, there's, there's the other side of the forgiveness coin too. Right. And she physically walks over and gives her a kiss. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and sort of. Yeah. I no. Think, and that's sort of meant to be, that's kind of, the gestures in both, like, you know, again, assuming it is Faith, you know, her giving Buffy the information, the idea of what it is that's going to bring the mayor down. And then, you know, Buffy's gesture, you know, that's, those were the things that seemed to suggest that to me, that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you know, have an understanding, you know. Right. Um, you know, and, and at least to whatever extent is possible, Buffy doesn't bear her any ill will, you know, like, you know, that's kind of the impression you get is that, you know, yeah, whatever she's, will, she's just, you know, whatever was in the past, mm-hmm. you know, Buffy, you know, seems to want let, the let best for it. her, you yeah, know? Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So we're, kind of now talking about Buffy. <laughs> so I guess we yes. we should just sort of go full in on that. Um keep talking about Buffy. The 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 maybe perhaps what put her into the her own, you know, medical state. Yes. Um so yes. So what that is is that Angel bites her, which I did not I think I did text you saying I did not see that coming. Yeah. Um it I did. It didn't occur to me. It almost did. I mean, I think the thought kind of crossed my mind. Well, you know, obviously Buffy's blood would cure him. But I think I just didn't even go there because I could never imagine how Angel would agree to it. Right. You know, like even if Buffy were to suggest that, you know, it it didn't really... I couldn't ever really figure out a way in which that would actually happen. Mm. Um, so I was wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and um, so, yeah. So I don't know what else to say. I mean, she kind of basic, which again, you know, that fine line between Angel and Angelus. I mean, we like to think that Angel with a soul is in complete control, but, you know, yeah. If you if you weaken him a little bit and you pummel him enough, right. Angelus comes out. <laughs> and yeah. you know, and Angel's still in there and he does stop. You know, Buffy seems to be unable to make him stop. Um right. and eventually he does stop himself, but it's a little hairy there for a little bit, you know. And um, that scene is, is extended. I mean, oh, it, yes. it, you, yeah. you know, like it goes on for longer than you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely, you're like, okay, he bites her, takes some blood or whatever. And then yeah. it's like, he keeps going. It keeps going. Yeah. And, and, and so there's definitely, and, and there's the whole, you know, sort of 
well, I almost said reverse rape. Yeah. It kind of is in a way because she's forcing him to drink, but then, right. but then it gets mixed up because then he's the one in power right, and on right. top and, you know, falling down to the ground and, and Joss in his commentary goes, that's not one of our subtler metaphors, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah. totally, it's exactly yeah. what you're thinking it is at that point. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's all of that tension there and, 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 and predatoriness well, and, and you, of the act that he didn't these, initiate <laughs> you know what i mean like it, that's right, sort right. of the weird thing about it right she um, provokes his she provokes this nature to come out that he doesn't have control over yeah um and, and it's not a those, comfortable scene at all no <laughs> and not no. And, and intentionally so i think we're yeah, supposed yeah. to be having well it's like you expect it to almost there was like you, you kind of expect a commercial cut like right. like you're, we're going to cut away, and then when we get back, he's going to get off her. But, like, it doesn't cut. And then there's a couple times, too, where I kept expecting, here's where Buffy's going to fight back. You know, because there's, like, there's that kind of chalice or something on the floor that she grabs and crushes. And I, you think, right. I kind of thought, well, she's going to grab that and, like, hit him with it. Right, but then right. she doesn't. And then she kicks the table over, and you think, okay, she's about to throw him off her. And then she doesn't. And so there's all these, like teases of you're just waiting when are you gonna get your you know fight back at your act together and it just doesn't happen yeah um so yeah right all these different ways of drawing out the tension and right right and 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 making you squirm (laughs) you're not used to seeing buffy as that sort of victim and again it seem like those seem like the buffy moments where suddenly she was letting you think that you were in control but really she's in control the whole time but it doesn't ever go that way. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and, and again, sort of having in the background, the knowledge that um, the cure is to drain a slayer. It's not to drink from a slayer. It's to right. drain a slayer. Well, and that was the other thing was, was I couldn't imagine. It's not like, okay, they can just take some blood from Buffy and give it to him. It seemed to me that, he had to kill her to do it, you know? So that, that was the implication of, um, you know, the cure that Oz and Willow found and, and seems to be, I mean, even at that point, I mean, you know, that's why she went to get faith because it would kill her, you know, what do they say? Well, you know, you can't let angel kill faith or he'll kill her if, you know, well, not if she's dead first, like that, that seems to be the implication that they're all. And then, you know, Buffy comes back and says, well, maybe you won't kill me. Yeah. And it's that maybe, well, but maybe you will. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like it's that's, about as close to the wire as you can get. Yeah. It's gonna take a lot to to yeah. cure him and, and that's not good. Um No, just, and so again you're left with that tension with Angel. Is he is he monstrous because of this this vampire side that he doesn't have full control over? Or is he heroic? Because even when that vampire nature is taking over, he still manages to stop himself yeah. at the last minute. And you're not quite sure which of those is more true, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, is that right. a moment? Is that a moment of weakness or of of strength for him? I'm not sure, you know? Yeah. And or a little bit of both, you know? Yeah. It seems like both of them there. And I think you're right. It is ambiguous. You, you, you can't tell. I, and I don't, I would not venture to say one way yeah. or the other. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have to say before we sort of leave that whole thing, going back just a little bit before Buffy arrives, mm. <laughs> uh, the, the, the miss um, identification of Willow with Buffy. Yeah. And then she comes out and says, Oh man, he was delirious. He thought I was Buffy. And Nas is, Oh, you too, huh? <laughs> Just the idea of Angel misidentifying Oz as yeah, Buffy yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. And and not even like, like you don't see it. So it's just like sort of this oblique, yeah, the, you know. The, the idea of it is funnier than any scene they could actually put together. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hilarious. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the other thing I want to make sure we mention too, just with that whole, so, okay, Buffy's hurt. Angel brings her to the hospital. Um, and the ER doctor thinking that he's on drugs. Um, yeah. You know, just an interesting sort of thing there because um, I don't, I mean, we've had sort of, there has been sort of talk of like the blood being an addiction. I don't know how, how, um, you know, uh, explicit it's been, but I, I would just say sort of keep that in mind of, you know, is there, is there sort of a, a an addictive quality to it and, 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 Okay. You know, that that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I might hadn't come really, up. I hadn't really made that connection, but that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, just that idea that you know this is something that vampires need to do on right. a regular basis, and that um, they like to do obviously as well. And 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 there's all those sorts of connotations. I mean, there's obviously we've gotten a lot of the sexual metaphor around mm-hmm. it, but also um, just just that that idea of of there might be. You know, he is heightened. He is stronger now. You know, Oz, well, you seem to be okay. You know, like he's yeah. he's cured from whatever was ailing him. And, and it's all because of this uh, taking of blood. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So um, what else on Buffy, I guess, other than Angel and, and all of that whole stuff? Like, okay, she's he takes the blood she recovers and mm. now they're getting ready for graduation day she yes. comes and she sort of wakes knowing what she wants to do it seems like she she yeah, sort of wakes yeah. with this full plan kind of in her mind yeah 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 it kind of reminds me of when she comes back to life in was it prophecy girl? And she kind of comes back mm-hmm. with this knowledge of, I know what I have to do, you know, <laughs> like, you right. know, like she's all clear while she's been out, she's been, something's been cooking. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about, it, but like, yeah, the death or, or near death experience sort of clarifies things. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a number of times. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, I like the whole discussion about the, the craziness of the plan um but that they all you know pretty much end up supporting it like yeah it's crazy but it, it just might work one of those things and like right. it's not like we have saner plans and clearly oz has proven that there are far crazier plans out there yeah. so you know we might as well go with the one we got you know um right. and even kind of cordy supports her like yeah it's crazy but she's slay girl so, you know, it seems like she knows what she's doing and we should all just follow her. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Nice bit of solidarity for her at the end of the season, I think. Yeah. And and not just within the Scooby group, but of course, the well, whole, the whole yeah. plan hinging on yeah. 
getting so you know we've talked about we, we sort of talked about in in part one graduation day part one you know the bringing back of these sort of minor characters just just this momentarily the slight references and and mentioning that percy and harmony and a few others are still around mm-hmm. and now we come back to see that that they along with jonathan and larry and, and sort of these characters that have been on the sidelines actually become instrumental and yeah. and not just them, but the entire school. And um, as, as we were talking about earlier, sort of in the introduction, talking about the production and, and broadcast and stuff, you know, I think this goes direct line right back to earshot and the prom and, yeah. and the idea of everyone sort of having their own thing. But at the same time, when it comes down to the wire, you get this pulling together, this you catastrophic moment mm-hmm. of everyone, you know, Buffy yelling now and everyone yeah. in the crowd, not the parents, but all no. the students, all of the yeah. kids pulling together and having all of this stuff that takes preparation, stuff that you wouldn't normally necessarily think a group of kids could do. You know, not only are kids at times, uh, uh, you know, benevolent and, and, um, gracious but but they actually are prepared (laughs) you know and 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 this idea that um you know that they could all pull together to to sort of fight this evil um well and it and it is the payoff of you know you kind of think of the prom as the culminating moment of them you know acknowledging what buffy's done but here this is really it right like you get to see them actively supporting it you know right it's not just we know that you exist it's we're we're gonna help you yeah yeah and all the times that you fought for us and defended us now that you're asking excuse me now that you're asking for it you know we're gonna you know do what you ask and it's 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 an idea of empowerment too because it's oh yeah because they've seen buffy defending they know that it is possible to fight back right Um, well and you get this idea of as much as it's kind of cathartic fun to see the school destroyed it's also the idea that you're defending the school you know that this is our school and you and kind of i mean kind of what snyder says like even though he's kind of ridiculous it's them saying this is our school and you can't just come in here and you know, do whatever, like we're going to stand up and, you know, but I, I, I agree with that. Yes. And I think the other part of that is the acknowledgement that it's not about the building, right? It's not about the physical school. The the school is, you know, it's it's a school of like a school of fish is not about where they live. It's, it's, it's all of them together. It's the school of people. It's it's not just, um, you know, a building. Where right. Which is why, stuff. which is why I think you can still enjoy the blowing up of the school um, and still have that, that sense of them defending the idea of the school and their right. group and their community and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's it, great, great moment and, and good plan and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, nice that um giles gets to blow up the library that's definitely very appropriate and i liked that on the second viewing i realized that that's what cordy and wesley were doing was packing up all the books 
because when it first got blown up, I thought, oh no, what about all the books Giles needs for his right. research? And then on the second watch, I realized, oh no, they're very carefully packing those away and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. getting them out safely. Well, and let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> because Cordy and Wesley are hilarious. Oh my God. I think the other text I sent you was, if that is the end of the Cordy-Wesley relationship, <laughs> then that is the most hysterical thing ever. <laughs> Because it is so, I never thought, I never thought the uh, unsatisfaction of a payoff could be so satisfactory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, right. It's like the most satisfactory disappointment ever. The most enjoyable letdown ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. and, And it is just, it's worth it for how hilariously awkward that scene is you know like all of the build-up and all of the sacrifice of the relationship i don't care because that scene was so funny yeah half you you spend literally half a season yeah you know developing this this tension and until you get this breaking point and and again you talk about sort of protracted scenes you know the the Wesley, you know, and his, if I go back to England, you know, there's no need yeah. for me to be here. And Cordy yeah, no. repeating, you know, the odd yeah. word here and yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. The closer, the closer, the closer. And you know it and you get the musical buildup and, and yeah. just the pure awkwardness of the kiss. Yeah, yeah. And then the second attempt. <laughs> and then just try again. No, no, it didn't <laughs> and, work. And still doesn't work. Okay, well, have a good time. Yeah, I'll drop you a line sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then her little face, like, what the heck was that? Yeah. Well, you get her doing that in the foreground, and you get yeah. Wesley sort of like the the secondary glance from him in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're both kind of like bizarrely not really understanding what just happened. What but just knowing, happened? Yeah, something did not work out right. There. Yeah, they, neither of them knows what's happened, but they both agreed we will never speak of this again. Right. 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 <laughs> Uh, um, that was very funny. Now I have um, re- revealed. So already... I know. Sorry, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was. I think we were going to go in the same direction here. I, okay. I was just going to say. I, I, I have revealed already that Wesley does appear in Angel, that and is where obviously I was going. Cordy is there. Yeah, yet. yeah. Uh, so you know, right. end of their relationship. I will it, neither confirm nor deny. Well, and, and by how, relationship, I I was meaning romantic. romantic you know, obviously, yeah. if they're in the show, they're going to have a relationship. Yeah. Of I some will neither kind, confirm so. nor deny whether or what kind of relationship they have in Angel. Yeah. So you know, you'll just have to wait and watch that. All right. Um. Anyway. Anyway. That, wow, we've gone over. I know. Um, we're, we're in shocker. That's unusual for us. Yeah. Um, especially well, it's not like this is an important episode or anything. Yeah, no, no, we could probably gloss through it. Um, Uh, I mean, we're kind of getting to the end. I think, you know, we sort of talked about the supporting characters and, and, and their role overall. I don't know that there's much more to say. Um, Larry does die. Um, I, I, I want to make sure we get that because it's clear on that. It happens real fast. And I think, yeah, and, and I, and I thought that was probably the case. I mean, you didn't get anyone, you know, verbally confirming the fact, but it seemed pretty clear. Um, yeah, and and there's sort of a sound effect. I think that's supposed yeah. to imply something breaking or cracking yeah, yeah. or not too good. Um, yeah, we see, so that's a shame. He was he was fun. Yeah, yeah, it um, is a shame. But 
you know, on the other hand, we know Joss Whedon and we know he has to kill someone. <laughs> sure. And, 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 you yeah, know, someone well, and, not and, and, Snyder. You know, or, there you has know. to be a sense of some cost, some right, toll some to be paid, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, we see Harmony get bit. Harmony uh, does get bit, yes. You know, um, the others, we see Jonathan, I think, at one point fighting and, and whatever. We don't mm-hmm. really see a conclusion to him. So, no. uh, you know, he may still be around. Um, Percy, we don't really get too much of either. But, you know, I think the implication is that we didn't yeah. see him die. So, you know, we don't know when we're probably the other. OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole. So, I mean, there's lots of little, you know, fight scenes sort of going on and on. We mm-hmm. see Cordy. Um, yeah, she gets a nice little staking yeah, in there. Yeah, very stake. like she just kind of nimbly, you know, yeah, unexpectedly flits in there and does yeah. it, you know. Um, and it's it's her first sort of proactive staking. Now we've seen at least once or maybe twice, you Accidental know, that like, <laughs> she falls down and a vampire falls on the stake or something right, like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I hadn't really thought of whether she'd done that before, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and that's intentional. I think I think it was one of those okay, before Charisma Carpenter leaves the show, we kind of have Cordy to Before Cordy graduates, she has to intentionally yeah. take yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah. On um, the opposite and Wesley of the spectrum. runs in all uh intending to do his thing and then gets taken out like in the first wave. Yeah. Spends the rest of the time lying on the floor and then goes to the hospital complaining and yeah. whimpering yeah yeah um and you almost have to wonder like is that what saved his life the laying on the floor like right, had right. he tried to get up and fight some more he might have actually gotten hurt even worse or killed or something and and it may be the fact that he got knocked down within three seconds and yeah and it was probably the best there. thing for everybody <laughs> yeah yeah just get him out of the way yeah um and uh yeah so um and i think you wanted to mention that oh yeah i did want to mention that joyce did stay away because we i had kind of questioned whether mm-hmm. you know she would heed buffy's advice or not so she did so yeah th- that's good um, yeah it's it's interesting especially considering that at the beginning of the season it was buffy who was away right and yeah, and yeah. joyce you know being angry and wanting her to come back and and worried about her and whatever and now it's joyce is the one who's leaving town because of things going on and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing um uh at least that's the implication we get one brief shot of the parents section mm. all of them running away yeah while the kids they're still oh, there i'm sure yeah i mean if obviously if joyce was meant to be there we would know that so I, I think I agree. With I you. think it's pretty clear that she did what Buffy asked. Yeah, no, I, I, I just want to make sure we do get that moment, though, of, of the parents yeah. fleeing while the kids stand and fight, um, which, yeah. of course, is is kind of hilarious. But yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, we've sort of gone all over. Definitely want to talk about the last minute or so, though. So we get after the the school has blown up and we Mm. get you know the ambulances and fire trucks and everything um we see giles being giles and doing such the nice thing of giving buffy her diploma and saying i just love giles you've earned it (laughs) you've earned it 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's such a great little little scene because it, again, it brings you kind of like the conversation about the mayor's speech, right? You know, oh my God, he's going to do the whole thing. It brings you right down back to the mundanity of things, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The idea that, in a way, yeah, it's, it's just a piece of paper, like Buffy said in the last episode, right? It doesn't mean much. But kind of in the way, it's the most important part of the ceremony. It's, yeah. it's the metaphor within the metaphor of the episode, it's, it's the real metaphor that people all across the country are doing at this time of year. Yeah. And, yeah. and well, the time of year when we're recording it, I guess it'll be a little <laughs> late when we actually publish it, but you know, it, it's that idea of, yeah, you don't really do all of this for a piece of paper, but it's, it's the signal, right? It's the, yeah. it's the representation of what it means to have, gone through the experience of high school and of course within Sunnydale to have gone to a high school with a fairly high mortality rate yes. um, <laughs> to survive long enough to get that piece of paper. Yeah. Um, it's an so, achievement. Yeah. And we don't know. I mean, you know, the, 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 the snake demon thing appears before uh, any of them get their diploma. So it may actually be that Buffy's the only one who even got a diploma. Right. You know, in the end. Right. Um, right. Because Giles sort of had to fish it out of the rubble and debris. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. He purposely went back to get it, which you get the feeling not too many people were going back into that, yeah, uh, no. you know, mess to get anything. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, yeah, again, this is Giles in 110% support of Buffy mode. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I think it's it's a nice nice little sort of ending. Um counterpointed, yeah. of course, by Angel's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, right. So cuz he says early that he's not even going to say goodbye and he's just going to leave. Um Mhm. And of course he can't resist and we wouldn't want him to, you know, just, you know, he doesn't say anything, but you just get the appearance through the mist, you know, and kind of that silent acknowledgement, you know, um, mm -hmm. and then he and disappears back into the mist. And and I would argue that it's, again, another sort of callback to the prom of, yeah, you know, yeah. his appearance there yeah, and coming yeah. to her. Yeah. Now it's his appearance and leaving right because it's also... Away. Yeah, it, it's in the prom where he first tells her that he's going to go. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's so. So, again, you're getting this culmination effect of it and and. His walking into the mist and, and now he's gone, he's leaving Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't say goodbye, but mm. he kind of says goodbye. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't say words, but just right. the look that he's there is a goodbye. You know, yeah. In, in yeah. Yeah. Way. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Ah, well, any final thoughts uh, before, before we move on? Just no, in general? I mean, then the last scene is, is the Scoobies all together. Um, yeah. You know, so at least you get, you know, even with the loss of Angel, you still have that tight little group, you know, still together right. and working together and everything. Um and actually, yeah. when when I saw the poster on the floor, it uh, of it kind of look it's three students together, and it kind of looks like two of them are girls and one of them is a boy. I thought soul triptych. 
Oh, <laughs> the, the whole the future is ours. Yeah, thing. yeah. There's yeah, yeah. three little students on that poster, and okay, they look a little soul trippy oh, to me. I didn't I know whether that was. I uh, I'm sure it's meant to reference the 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 trio of Buffy Willow Aunt Xander because it seems that one of the one in the middle is a boy, and the other two are girls. To yeah. Me. I, you know, I did not pick up on that visually. I would not be surprised at all if that were the case. And I I was more focused on the words shocker, Um, (laughs) you know, and, and the idea of the future is ours and, and just kind of what we talked about before about change and, and we are moving into sort of a new era. And, and obviously that's a very sort of graduation motto, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, it's not, entirely out of place just in general. But, but I think again, you know, it's that looking forward to what, what's new, what's next, what's, what's the thing that's coming afterward. And, and Mm -hmm. again, all discussions that we've gotten, you know, like with the SATs, like with career day and, and that kind of, Mm -hmm. well, I guess career day was that, that was last season, wasn't it? But anyway, like the, you know, the, the discussions about where you're going to go to college or what you're going to do after in Xander's case, not college, but you know, Jack Kerouac on the road and you know all of that kind of stuff so so again it's that we're putting things behind us and we're moving on um yeah and on that note we should probably move on to talk about Doctor Who okay Ooh, that was smooth I like that that. was very smooth it was very smooth until I pointed it out (laughs) until yeah until I acknowledged its smoothness yeah um so Uh, it'll never be that smooth again I started, well, yeah, it wasn't that smooth. Um, I started Buffy talking about uh, some production notes. I think you have some stuff about Doctor Who Series 4 that you wanted to sort of bring um, up front before we get into the main discussion. Yeah, well, I like to try to look up, you know, what was the reception of episodes and seasons, just because it's interesting, you know, if nothing else. Um, so, you know, this is a, a popular season. Yeah, I don't know that there is as much of a fan consensus about um, the ranking of Doctor Who seasons as much as there is for Buffy. Um, like, I don't have as much of a sense of, you know, most people think this, you know, or whatever in terms of... Sure. But I think from what I can tell, this is a... This is, you know, up there, you know, a mm-hmm. pretty well-regarded season. Um and it was certainly very decorated. Um, it had um, BAFTA TV, um, you know, that's the British Academy Awards. So pretty much other than going to the Oscars, if you're in film and TV in Britain, that's about the height of what you can get. Um, so it had a nomination for Best Drama Series. Um, it also won um, awards at the inaugural British Fantasy Awards. Um Best Sci-Fi TV Series, Constellation Award, and Most Popular Drama at the National Television Awards. Um, David Tennant had a number of nominations for um, BAFTA Scotland, Broadcasting Press Guild, uh, RTS Television, Satellite, and Scream Awards. Um, And he and Catherine Tate were both nominated for Outstanding Drama Performance at the National TV Awards, um, as well as uh, winning Sci-Fi or SFX Awards and TV Quick Awards. They both won. So I say all that stuff not because awards always mean anything, because, you know, stuff gets awards that deserves it, and plenty of well-deserving stuff 
doesn't, you know, but mm-hmm. kind of what I want to, why I keep bringing stuff like that up is that um, there was a time where Doctor Who was a big joke, you know, whether that was, you know, deserved or not, you know, is, yeah, I guess, suppose in the mind of the viewer. Um, but, you know, so kind of getting to this idea that not only did Russell Davies and his team, you know, pluck it back out of obscurity, you know, not only did they make it popular, but they made it critically, you know, accepted that so, so, so much that it was being, you know, acknowledged and even decorated at these sorts of award ceremonies. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how far it came in only a couple of years, you know, you know, even five or 10 years before it would have been, you know, the source of joke material, not the source of, you know, and that was probably totally unfair, I think, to what the show actually was, but that was its reputation. Um, sure. So you kind of kind of see how far it's come to not just popularity again, but respectability, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at least in Britain, you know, at this point. Um, sure. And I don't know everything about these awards or anything, but it, seems like some of them are you know uh you know it's it's both fan and critical acclaim right it's sure. not yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. just one or the other it's not like they're so popular so they win all the fan awards yeah or it's right. critically acclaimed but not very popular exactly <laughs> it seems well, like it's it, getting it's both. a huge mix because like the national tv awards are are fan voted so that's a popular award but then you know, the BAFTA TV is definitely not, you know, that's an academy of people. Um, and likewise, you have a mix of mainstream and genre things too. You know, mm. some of it is for sci-fi and fantasy and some of it, again, like, like the BAFTA stuff, um, is, or the, or the, or, the, or, or the broad, or the broadcasting press guild, you know, I don't think they care about sci-fi, you know, <laughs> so they're only caring about it. Right, it's not it. their primary no. and in focus fact, or anything. In fact, that can often be a deterrent. So if sure. you're getting recognized, sure. if you're getting recognized, that kind of shows a sort of mainstream critical success that certainly wasn't there, you know, uh, before. So, you know, it just kind of shows the, the changing mood in terms of, the, you know, the popular and critical mm-hmm. acclaim and everything. Sure. Um, but... Uh, Moving on from that, I think we want to do what we normally do, which is start talking about favorite episodes and sort of highlights of the season. So, yeah, go well, for it. And, and you got to pick first this I time. I did. It was my turn. And But I'm going to go first because... Does that mean some... I should go first? No, no, no. I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, for, some, for some crazy reason, you did not pick I know. Moffitt. It was my turn to pick yeah, Moffat, right. and I spurned him. <laughs> um so I did. I snagged so, it right up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, The Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, uh, pair of episodes which, which make up the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a good, it's a good story. What are you going to do? It uh, is. It yeah. is. So part of the reason... You can't fault it. I picked this is because uh, I had seen very many references to River Song had gotten to the point where I knew who the actress was who played her, um, Alex Kingston and, and just sort of had this 
anticipation of my own, um, not having been familiar with her story or anything, uh, that, that sort of built up. And, and I think I've mentioned that I was a fan of ER and, and all of that. So, you know, that's one reason why I picked this because it's that introduction. And, and, and now, I mean, clearly there's more to learn because as we learned in these episodes, this is not the first time she's met the doctor, but it's the first time the doctors met her. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, since we're following the story of the doctor primarily, uh, it's the first time we've met her as well. And, and just a very sort of intriguing idea of, we also know it's the last time that the doctor meets her in a way. Right. And the last time that she sees the doctor. So you have this idea of there's a story that has unfolded, but that is also yet to unfold. And I just, I like that, uh, you know, sort of, I I almost called it bipolar, but that obviously gives the wrong sort of <laughs> connotation to it. Um, but there is a sort of multi-directionality, I guess. Yeah. Uh, to it, and yeah. and and so it's a very, very interesting idea, and I like that. Um, yeah. No, I mean Moffat is, um, he his ideas are just unbeatable you know um yeah I don't know where they come from but he seems to like just have this sort of wellspring of how to put twists onto something which is already fairly twisty you know like how to take a how to take a non-linear time travel story and make it even more wibbly wobbly than it was yeah, before well, yeah. you know <laughs> wibbly wobbly of course and i was thinking exactly of blink too because you, you do have that same sort of you know things aren't unfolding in the same order yeah. that you're watching it so it and and this is like even more exciting than that because this is over time like this yeah. is over seasons literally right. right and and that this that you know the story is going to unfold so that does make it exciting and, and sort of interesting and, and all of that. Um, so th- that's one reason. I don't want to say that's the only reason I picked this episode because, of course, that's just part of the episode. That's And that's sure. like kind of like that's like a secondary thing. You know, it's not even like the main focus of the episode or anything um, or the story overall. Uh, I also picked it just because, you know, you know me by now. I like darker stuff. Oh, yeah, is, yeah. Literally, this is darker because, you know, lights go out and there's shadows and things. But also, you know, sort of um, I talked about that scene with Evangelista and how Mm. much that got me. Uh, Surprisingly for me that that scene got me because that's I you know, I've talked about how I'm not the most uh, emotional of (laughs) TV watchers. Right. I do tend to sort of um, not that I don't feel the emotions, but, you know, we talked through that. But it's it's you know, the, the showing of them. And that one just caught right in my throat. And, uh, uh, not just the first time, but also the second time. And, and mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that I wasn't sure if it was worse or not, because you know, <laughs> what's kind of coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with that whole thing and, and the empathy. And again, you know, we talked about in Buffy, how a couple of scenes got dragged out the, the on and on and on of the data ghost mm-hmm. that, you know, continues, um, not just with hers, but with the others as well, but yeah. hers in particular, cause it's, it's the first one and, and it's, and she's yeah. the most innocent yeah. one um, yeah. also. So just that whole 
that whole thing. Um, well, but, and you mentioned too with, I mean, with the end with River, that again with the on and on and on, I know you pointed out uh, the lingering shot of the doctor after she dies. You know, yeah, that the, cam- yeah. the way the camera starts, zooms in, and then slowly zooms out way longer than you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. So it has that yeah. same sort of, yeah, that same and, sort of feel. And his motionlessness and the, the sense of not not just inevitability because it's already happened, right? But the, the sense of, uh, well, impotence, I guess, or, or inability to, yeah. you know, do anything about it, which is the doctor incarnate is do something, do you it. know, yeah. to, to, yeah. to do something to stop the evil that's happening. Yeah. And she, and he can't, I mean, so, wow, that was a Freudian slip. She can't, no, the, the he can't, um, <laughs> you know, do anything in that instance. So yeah, there's both of those. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a very similar sort of feel in both of those situations because of that inevitability and and because of that. um, Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and you started to say it, it, you know, it's not, not inevitability because it's already happened, but it kind of is inevitability because now it's going to happen because he just saw it happen. And so now there is like, it's not inevitable in a way until it happens. (laughs) And then it is, you know, because now he, she's told him, don't you dare rewrite, rewrite one line, you know, and you're not not allowed to change this from happening. It's not only, it's not only inevitable, inevitable because it's happened, but right. It's, he's now bound to allow it to happen in that yeah. way. And, you know, and that's, it's that bittersweetness of it because yeah, it is the end. It is the last time she sees him. But, but like she says, you, you're lucky because now you have this whole wonderful story ahead of you that you get yeah. to find out about. So, yeah. Yeah. There is that, but at the same time, now you know how it ends. Yeah, talk yeah. about spoilers. Yeah, you know yeah. the whole, the whole, <laughs> both, both, uh, you know, uh, both episodes. They they're talking about spoilers, and and yeah, that realization of oh, that means the last time you saw me, you already knew how it was going to end. Yeah, and that kind of thing that that River says it's very. Yeah, yeah it's it's just bittersweet. Um, yeah. And again, with the bittersweetness, you know, seeing, seeing Evangelista and hearing, especially Evangelista and her ghost die. But yeah. then knowing that in the end, she does come out all right. She, you know, OK, so there's a there's a sort of order of magnitude shift in her intelligence. And but she doesn't look so good at first in the, uh, you know, computer. But then. You see, in the end, she gets the looks too back. So you know yeah. now it's 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 good. But then we talked about again: are the people in the computer really alive, or yeah. or in what way are they alive? Because it is you know talk about it being all about change. Mm-hmm. There is a sense in that yes, they're alive, but something significant has changed in how they learn how they are living now. Yeah. And yeah. it's not clear what that is. And that's kind of maybe not scary, but uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and you talking about the bittersweetness also made me think of uh, 
the the end of Donna's relationship with Lee, you know, her husband in in the the computer. And I think now that the season's over, I will reveal that we don't see him again. Um hmm. and right because there's know, that moment so where there's, they sort you know, of there's miss that each other. suggestion that maybe he's still out there. Um but uh you know, as far as televised Doctor Who that exists at this point in time goes, <laughs> right. um, he doesn't find her. And, yeah. you know, and so there's that, again, that sense of, you know, it it was good to have been, but it's a, another sort of lost opportunity. And that seems to have been sort of her great love for whatever time they had in the computer together you know <laughs> yeah. were, which was like they were a happy. few seconds overall because it yeah, just sort of yeah. flips from one to the next to the next yeah um sort of and, micro time but but yeah so you, again you get that sense of well you're happy he's real you're happy he made it out but he doesn't get her name out in time right so and, and again that sense that it's maybe not necessarily inevitable but because of the situation that donna is in at the end of the season she can't ever know about Mm -hmm. any of those events so it is in a way inevitable (laughs) you know what i mean like if she did know she would just go crazy and not know so there's no way of knowing um (laughs) that's a lot of no's yeah i was thinking yeah anyway um my mind went to a weird place just then so the 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 yeah, and that's interesting because I hadn't really thought of that. It's not so we're not going to get like Martha who contacted Tom, right, and started a relationship. Uh, Tom, did I get that right? That's yeah. her, her mm-hmm. husband, right? Um, or fiance or whatever. Um, it's not going to be another you know thing like that where where she can sort of have a life and build a relationship right. after being a companion. It's no you know no. back to old donna and it's and loss snuffed of, out snuffed loss out of that that yeah. the good man who could have replaced lance yeah. and given her what she was looking for no um and and so all of that would be you know included in why i picked this one but then also the the sort of i guess I don't know, maybe fake out is the right word with Lux because I didn't like mm-hmm. him. But but you do sort of come to realize that he's, you know, when, when you realize that he's trying to protect Cal, it's yeah. not it's not about um, making money or, you know, whatever aspersions that are cast upon him by the doctor and others. Um, it actually does come down to the fact that, you know, this is a family member who is you know, in charge of the library and stuff. And, and, and he's trying to do his best to look out for her. So, um, you do sort of at least come to, to an understanding of, you know, the reticence he's had all along and, and the things that, um, he's done have sort of been in a protective manner, if somewhat secretive and, and maybe, uh, maybe he didn't go about it always the right way, but at least his heart was sort of in the right place. Um, in doing it so yeah Um, no you get like and that's the nice thing about um when they have these two-parters you know as you have time gives you the luxury to you know again I think 
the characterization of the doctors and companions and even some other secondary characters are, you know, plenty deep. I don't have any problem with the characterization, but you don't have the time to go into that much detail every week in 45 minutes, you know, for a huge supporting cast. So when you do have a two-parter, it's nice to have a little bit more room to flesh out like the guest cast a little bit more than they normally do. Um, So it gives you the, the luxury to do a little bit less, you know, less of just having people around to move the plot along. And you can actually like, develop someone who has contradiction and motivation and, you know, and development and everything. Yeah. Well, and on that note, maybe then we can talk about the episode you picked because it has pretty much a whole new cast. (laughs) It does. Um, Well, and speaking, I think I'm with you. I mean, I like the darker and more complicated, you know, Hey, I don't want that every week. I'm not saying every week needs to be, you Mm. know, uh, a, a devastating episode but it means that when the devastating ones come along you relish them a little bit more um so uh so i'm picking midnight um definitely i mean i love the library episodes they're definitely up there for me but i have to put midnight a little bit higher um so i'm going russell davies on this one Mm. um yeah but and i mean but like altered russell davies but like (laughs) russell and hey i i like I like, you know, classic Russell Davies, too. I have no problems with that. Um, but I think he kind of knocked this one out of the park. Um, and, I, I mean, I think I talked a lot in that recording about what I liked about the story. Um, mm-hmm. So I was kind of trying to think of what could I say that I didn't say already. And um, one of the things that occurred to me is um, watching one of those kind of season recap things um was uh russell davies talking about when you have the same actor coming back for multiple seasons you know when you have david tennant over multiple years wanting to give him something new to do that he hadn't done before um and and so that kind of made me think like i feel like a lot of what midnight does is russell pushing himself and pushing other people to do things they hadn't done before. Um, and so it's, I like the kind of experimentalism of it that way, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's limiting himself in very, you know, pointed ways, you know, limiting to one set and largely limiting to one scene, um, and limited in terms of what the characters can do. I mean, they can't really move around too much. And then as soon as they start, repeating and overlapping with the dialogue you have limitations of you know what they can even say um so he's kind of like almost placing all these walls around to sort of almost try to see can you work your way out of this Mm -hmm. um and then i think you know i think he and i think he and tenant are really good partnership because they're both really interested in pushing the character of the doctor to new places. And I think they're really interested in pushing him to uncomfortable places. Like there seems to be this kind of idea with both of them that to take the doctor to somewhere new doesn't always mean to good places that sometimes that means taking him to a new, you know, showing him, you know, sometimes in a 
in a, in a sympathetic light and sometimes in a way where he's more powerless or he's more, you know, uh, arrogant or he's more or less sympathetic to the people around him or more mm. out of control or more scared or whatever it is, you know? Right. So right. I think they are good for each other because the, as each of them respond to that, like, it's almost like Russell says, well, here, do this. And then if Tennant does it, and then he says, well, give me something harder. And then Davy says, well, okay, I'm going to write something like this. And then you get something even more crazy. So I think that partnership, you know, seems to kind of generate a lot of interesting story ideas. So that yeah. was one of the things, the kind of challengingness of it, like both. Um, and also, you know, the other thing I said was too, like the high concept, you know, high concept aspects of it too, that the claustrophobic set and the way that the dialogue overlaps and like, it's challenging not just the writer and the actor, but everybody, because the sound team have to be really careful and the editors have to work really hard. And the director, right, I'm sure, right. had a heck of a time putting together this teeny tiny little, you know, how are we going to shoot this thing? And how are we going to, mm -hmm. you know, how do you even get this idea across without it being a complete mess? And for the actors, you know, how do you, how do you physically do this? How do you memorize everybody's lines and then how do you say them absolutely in sync like I just like thinking about the amount of work that went into this episode <laughs> so yeah when I think yeah. about all that like I love the story you know I love what it you know the themes and what it says about the doctor but I also just like as a piece of film um I think all the little tricks everybody pulls off the different tricks really neatly um so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's all well stated. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're right, when you start thinking about the, you know, the fact, and you talked about how many fewers um, scenes there were in in this and how, you know, like, you know, one of the scene runs most of the script, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that sort of adds a level of complexity to all of that, that you just said, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, filming it, but it's, it's getting all of those little pieces in such a tightly, uh, yeah. scripted place. And, and, um, you talked about it too, as like sort of, you know, a stage play almost mm, yeah. like the, the, the idea that they're really, I mean, there's really only like two actual sets Right. Right. It's it's the sort of the luxury place that's mm -hmm. the frame and then the um you know the actual truck that they're yeah. in and 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 you have sort of the the cab of that as well I guess but that's kind of the same setting, right? So um yeah, no, just a very interesting minimalistic almost yeah. waiting for Godot-ish um in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. because they are stopped a lot of the time and waiting for this other truck to come get them. And it's all mm -hmm. about sort of what happens in the mean. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, and I, and I think I said before, like it's the episode, which I find the most sort of unsettling and, and, yeah. and scary. So, so like, I, I, you know, just like I like the more complicated 
darker themes. I also just like a flat out scary episode, you know? Yeah. It's and, just satisfying. <laughs> and it is unsettling and all of that, but but the concept really is simple. I mean, what what's so unsettling about it? It's someone right. who repeats you and then someone who mimics you at the same time and then someone who anticipates you. Like Yeah. Conceptually, that's just a very simple idea. It's like, yeah. it, and you almost have to think like it would be extremely hard to explain that without having seen it or shot it or yeah. acted in it or anything. Like it would be hard to explain why that would be scary. Right, right. And yet, you know, it, it does, it's effective. It comes through. Yeah. And so. I know we talked a lot about, but I think the fact that, I think what's scary about it for me is the fact that you never quite find out how it's doing that and right and and that you don't find out anything about and that can be frustrating but the frustration is what makes it so scary because we're so used to the doctor being able to explain stuff right um and he can't you know mm -hmm. and so that kind of open-ended and you know it doesn't really ever resolve the story you know it just sort of right well we got out of there most of us alive, we're going to have to be content with that because the doctor's too scared to go back in there and that's bad. You know, the amount of stuff he's willing to face, if he's ready to just get the heck out of there, yeah, you know, that kind of says more than anything else. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, I guess those being our favorite episodes, maybe mm. we should talk a little more about the, the overall um series sure um well do you have any i mean i i have random notes of stuff we could talk about but like you know what are, yeah. do you have any overarching thoughts or impressions or takeaways for the season uh, or for the characters or anything like that yeah well so i mean i guess you know from from sort of the doctor's perspective um there is there is sort of that, you know, I, well, I get, okay. So from the doctor's perspective, you know, we're, we're coming off of, he loses Martha, right? And then, mm -hmm. and then comes across Donna. So that's, that's the beginning, right? He, yeah. we, he meets up again with Donna and, and sort of initially, it's kind of funny because it, you, you know, it comes around in the end to, okay, Donna, everything was sort of converging to her and, and we kind of find out why they're able to meet up again. But, but at yeah. the beginning of this season, there's no hint of that, not even a little bit. And it's just like, right. You, you get this idea that she was sort of looking for him. And so she was putting herself in places where he might be. Hmm. And, and, you know, with the idea of she had missed the boat last time, right. Yeah. Intentionally, she, she sort of, um, didn't want to go with him. So, so now she's sort of not um, happy with that decision. But then just the idea that throughout the season, there's this development of the idea of the decisions you make and, mm. and how much of the decision is your decision? How much does it affect other decisions? How much is it other things affecting your decision? And, and, Again, you don't necessarily the payoff until you start, you know, getting to episodes like um, Turn Left and, yeah. and 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 the you know the finale episodes and stuff. But 
I don't know. It 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 is a sort of interesting to think back to that, but then there's also again we're getting back to that bittersweet, right? Because then in the mm-hmm. end, it's the return of Donna to her former state, yeah. right? Yeah. It's 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 you know again a, a sort of um, well not not inevitability so much as a as a it's a very nihilistic sort of, you know, yeah. what's the point of it all? Yeah. Uh, if, if all you're going to do is, is end up, you know, not able to talk about it, not able to even think about it or know about it, then what was the point? And it's, and we sort of, were talking about that a little bit, I think in the, in the last episode there, just, a, you know, what, how much can, you know, can we say that it was a good thing for Donna to have done that? Because, well, and, and again, sort of a, a, in a bigger way than, than the silence in the library, you know, what, what are, what's the existence of the people in the computer at the end of that episode or at the end of forest of the dead, I guess. But, um, what's the, what's Donna's existence like at the end of her time with the doctor, you know, yeah. it's like that same sort of feel of, of, you've gone through all this stuff, but, but now we're back to same old, not entirely likable Donna. (laughs) It's the, it's the opposite of, you know, at the journey of the end, you're not the same at the end of this journey. She's exactly the same, you know, she, and, and, and even more frustrating because that wasn't how it should have been. We know she's capable of more. We know she did change, you know, right. And see what she can do. That and, moment where yeah. she she's like, you know, I was going to be with you forever. You know, yeah. I was oh. I was going to travel with you all over the place and go everywhere. Yeah. And well, there's so much. There's so much in this season that when you watch it the second time, resonates so much more. Because you were just talking about the beginning of like partners in crime and everything. Yeah. And I was just thinking about her talking about how she tried to travel afterwards. Like she said, she said yeah. she was going to, you know, yeah. like I went to And Egypt it sort of and, all ended up being And mundane. it was just boring, you know, yeah. like, you know, you don't drink the water and two weeks later you're back home yeah. and it's nothing like being you. With go you go on the guided tours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh, it's that kind of stuff that when you go back and watch it again, it's just like, oh no, <laughs> you know, like it has so much more, you know, her talking about the disappointment of life after mm-hmm. this world had been opened up to her, you know, has so much more poignancy. Um, yeah. And I don't think I would, I agree that, I don't know that I would say nihilistic. There's definitely a pessimism to it. I, I think the only thing I would quibble with is that I think demonstrably it was good for Donna to do these things because of a, what she showed she was capable of, even if she doesn't get to fulfill it and be the good she did in the universe, you know, that, you know, think of all the good she accomplishes, you know, with helping him in Pompeii or, you know, or connecting with the Ood or, you know, uh, in, um, you know, obviously at the end, you know, becoming the Dr. Donna and saving the universe. You know, I think it's not like everything she did was undone. You know, I think that's the point of the doctor's speech in the end is even if 
it's not that way anymore, at least for a little while, you know, she was making a real difference. Um, but definitely pessimism bordering on nihilism that for her, the slate gets wiped clean. And right. And, yeah. and I, and that was, it was the, from her perspective, that from her perspective. Yeah. 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 The, you're absolutely right. The, the, stuff that she did was not in itself uh a bad thing and and a, i mean clearly you know the reality bomb didn't go off because of her so that's good yeah reality you know, is still a thing right um <laughs> and you're right and and the doctor does have that moment where he's talking to wilf uh right where he you know he says um just for a moment there's she was the most important woman yeah. in the universe. And, and, and I suppose you're right that my not nihilism maybe is, is the wrong word to use because you still have the Ood who we remember her. Yeah. Who remember her and have said, she'll always be part of their song. Yeah. The Dr. Donna. And, and you're right. Like there, I, I'm sure there are plenty of hints and, and, you know, I haven't gone back to watch the season yet at yeah. some point I will. And, and maybe I'll pick up on more of those, but, but that seems in retrospect, uh, obviously, you know, clear one <laughs> yeah. of the Dr. Donna, where at the time, you know, it seemed like they were putting the doctor and Donna together into one entity, but no, actually they were, yeah, sounds like referring only to her yeah. and it it's and not that they won't remember the doctor at as the doctor um or even both of them together perhaps but it really seems like it's the doctor donna who mm. is the one that they're um you know gonna gonna remember um and yeah. thinking about that episode too in particular the the idea that she was the one you know who empathized with them or yeah. came to empathize with them, you know, even more than the doctor did mm -hmm. um, to the point where she couldn't handle their sad song of captivity. Right. You know, yeah. it was, or whatever that song was called. Um, so. Yeah. 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 I, okay. Yeah. And there's other little hints. I mean, I wanted to bring up that kind of theme of memory. Cause I brought that up a lot over the season and I'm always amazed. I've been amazed this watch through because there is, a mention like the theme of memory pops up in almost every single episode. It's kind of incredible. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you can just go through the list, like in the voyage of the damned, which is the Christmas special, Mr. Copper, who's kind of a little bit of a prefigure of Wilf says to the doctor of Astrid, doctor, I won't forget her. So you get the frame at the beginning of end of the season of the doctor with this old man, you know, remembering mm. the young companion. I won't forget her. Um, there's a speech in Fires of Pompeii about how Pompeii will never be forgotten. Um, Planet of the Ood, obviously, there's they'll always remember the Dr. Donna. Um, there's a, the really poignant one, I think, is the doctor talks about um, they're kind of lobotomizing, and he says, mm -hmm. like the amygdala in humans, it processes memory and emotion. Take that away, and you wouldn't be Donna anymore. You'd be like an Ood. And so it's like, that seems a little painful when you go back yeah. in retrospect right at um, the end yeah and then there's other things like there's memory stuff with the clones in the Santaran stratagem there's memory stuff with the doctor's daughter um mm. 
one of the more hopeful ones, I mean, obviously the unicorn and the wasp is all about Agatha Christie's memories. Um, right. It has right. a more hopeful note um, in it that at the end they talk about how, because Don is saying, oh, but she'll never remember us. And the doctor says that he doesn't think she ever quite forgot. Somewhere in the back of her mind, it all lingered. So there's yeah. maybe a suggestion that oh, somewhere back and there's, there. There is a sort of parallelism between her the ending of that episode and and the end yeah. of the season too yeah yeah, yeah. Huh. um i mean turn left you kind of oh well silence in the library you know and then you forgot you know the computer forgets that it's a computer everyone forgets that they were ever in the library yeah. well and just the um, fact that they're all saved in the computer's memory yeah and they and have no way and they've completely forgotten that yeah um turn left it's a little bit more oblique but you get just the idea that they're in an alternative timeline and they don't remember, you know, Donna struggles to remember the doctor. I used to travel with the doctor in another life, all these things. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think it's pretty impressive how baked into the season that theme is. Um, and I'm going to also say that that theme isn't going to quite go away. It's going to pop up in the specials and actually Moffat is going to do some more stuff with memory too. So, even though uh, that's not 100% a Donna theme, even though it's hugely relevant to Donna. Um, yeah. Don't, don't, don't take your eye off that. But, um, but obviously, I think it is most prevalent in this season because of all the, you know, what's coming with Donna. Um, yeah. But I do like the, I like the dichotomy of, you know, the, the, terribleness of the idea with the ood of if you take away your memory and emotion you're not you anymore but you also have something a little bit more hopeful with i don't think she ever quite forgot you know there's just that suggestion mm. that if if it still happened if it's still in there maybe there lingers a little bit of something maybe it's not as bad as it was before you know right. maybe there's still hope for something better I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I and I obviously not looking for it. I didn't pick up on all of those instances. Right. And I didn't want to trumpet it too loudly and say this yeah, yeah, no. is going to end in memory loss. You know? No, but <laughs> like, you're right. Definitely looking back at all those um many if not all of them seem like you said very clearly sort of pointing in that direction of yeah where we wind up with memory and and you know or lack thereof i guess yeah uh you know and and the importance of it and and not just the importance of it but the importance of it as uh you know part of your very essence the be you know the being of who a person is yeah um and and I did, and did you say and river, you know, and, and river song, just the whole idea of don't change one thing, because even yeah. though she's gone, there's still something, you know, yeah. about that stuff having happened, even if she yeah. can't remember it after she dies, you know? Um, yeah. So very well. And hey, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Pompeii kind of suggests you know some ideas about 
changing history and when can you, when can't you, mm. when should you, when shouldn't you. And uh, so another thing to kind of keep your eye on, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. And, yeah, yeah I, well, in, and in a way, the entire show of Doctor Who is about well, changing any show history. About time travel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so absolutely, I, that makes sense. No, um, but but I think also, you know, that's nice in the abstract. You know, it's it's easy to say, well, you can't change Pompeii because we know that Pompeii happened and it happened thousands of years ago and, you know, to people that we don't know. And, like, there's a... It's history books. But I think it's slightly different when it's people that Doctor knows and it's people that we know, it's characters that we know, whether it's for the Doctor, whether it's, you know what happened with Gallifrey or whether what's happened with River um, or with Donna, you know, that these are his, that makes it, you know, not that Pompeii wasn't traumatic enough, but like, I think for the doctor and for the audience, it's another thing to mess with your own personal, you know, history and like Mm -hmm. history that would affect your friends and your own timeline and what happens, what their destiny is and everything. So, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we've gotten sort of references to that even, you know, as far back as Father's Day, you know, like yeah. how much can you affect your own timeline and what are sort of the implications when you do and, and mm-hmm. not just the implications, but what are the, the effects and and. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, yeah, no, interesting. Makes sense. I, you know we'll continue to look out for that, I guess, because <laughs> I'm assuming you're not telling me to look out for that because there won't be any <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, just like I mentioned that faith didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So understood. Yes. Um, Message received. You know, I, I, man, there's probably, there's a lot more to talk about, but I don't know how much time we'll have to talk about all of this stuff. I, yeah. So I did, I was looking, I was looking at your notes because I didn't take nearly as many as you did. Um, <laughs> and, and I wa- definitely wanted to talk through, cause I saw your notes here on clones and doppelgangers sort of, yeah. which seems like it might be tied to the whole memory thing. Yeah. Um, in, in, in a large aspect because it's, um, so you get clone Martha and you, you already sort of mentioned how you get the clones memories. Mm. The clone has Martha's memories, right? So there's, there's a scene with that and, and sort of the implications of that. Um, Jenny, you know, again, who is not a clone, but a genetic derivative of yeah. the doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, again, but sort of being instilled with these memories that, um, not that the doctor has, but that the, you know, uh, generations of soldiers around her have given her, um, you get the alternate universe people and, and all of that. Um, and of course the Metacrisis doctor, um, one thing that you didn't mark in here, which from the, the silence in the library and, and that is you get the um, attendance, right? With the faces oh, yeah. of people yeah, yeah. who, mm-hmm. who have donated their faces, but then right. you also get the people in the computer who are kind of, yeah again, not exactly the same as their live counterparts. Um, right. Well, and you also have, 
the the children who seem to be creations of the computer, but also, yeah. you know, like I have independent thought. How am I not real? You get the kids wondering if they're real, which sort of proves that they are. You know, like if you have yeah, if you I have think, independent yeah. thought, you kind of by default are real. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So definitely, and so not maybe quite as prevalent as the memory theme, but this idea of yeah i don't you know alternate versions of yourself or Mm. or um you know uh ways that you might have turned out from and then you get sort of the metaphorical version of that with the memory loss of donna yeah it becomes almost like she was two different people another version yeah 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 yeah. um well that's why i think turn left is so one of those ways it's important is that kind of, even though she, you know, it's her at her most heroic, you do see a regression of the character. It kind mm-hmm. of gives you a hint of what happens if Donna forgets everything that she's gone through as she goes, she regresses, she goes back, you know, yeah. she loses some of the growth that she's gained. Right. Um, so it's kind of like in turn left, you kind of get a picture of, I mean, obviously, the world isn't going to fall apart to the extent that it did in Turn Left. But you kind of get an idea of what is her life going to be like after season four, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, is it back to nagging mom and looking for a job and, and dead ends and, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of get to do the post-Journey's End story without actually doing it in a way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, and and well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much more there is necessarily to say about like the, the doppelgangers or whatever. But it it is an interesting again idea of um, even even with the ood, are they different people after mm. their you know right part of their brain is cut out because of like you said the the you know it's it's about memory and and all of that. So yeah. Um, um, well, I guess, I guess even so just in a few more minutes, then, um, you also have some notes about militarism and, and we talked about a bunch of those, uh, you know, episodes, the, the doctor's daughter and the, um, you know, with the, the Santarans, the, the two episodes there and, and not just the idea of, you know, that militarism exists and the doctor has to face it, but also that he's kind of part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That he has a kind of sticky relationship with it. Right. And, and, you know, especially when you get to the end of the season and you get, you, you know, you get this whole look what you created, even if you say yourself that you're against fighting and weapons and militarism yeah you know look at your companions you know you have one threatening to blow up this planet you have one threatening to blow up a different planet you've got you know all of these you you know your metacrisis guys running out of the tardis with a gun something that you abhor you know and and you know all of these sorts of ideas again of uh you know what what is it that you really believe doctor? Because, you know, uh, what is it that Jenny says? Uh, 
you know, something like, because he says something, you know, no, 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 I'm not like you because I'm trying to stop the fighting. And she's mm. like, well, isn't isn't every soldier, isn't that sort yeah. of the point of being a soldier is to stop the fighting? And yeah, kind of in a way it is. But for some reason, the doctor still thinks of himself as different. And and you have to wonder, is he that different right. than, than all of these others? And Right. Well, and, and I think as we go into the specials, too, I want to kind of bring up like this idea of the relation what is the relationship between the doctor and the and the companion um because you know you kind of have on the one hand you have Donna you know being totally exemplary and saving the day and doing it with humor and nonviolently and everything mm-hmm. um but you also have you know not to say that Don is good and Martha and Jack aren't, you know, I, I love Martha and Jack too, but you have, you know, you have them, you know, taking maybe more questionable or more violent means yeah. to achieve the end. So, um, and you know, then you also have this idea of, as I've pointed out a bunch of times, like the, the accumulation of the losses, you know, that, you know, he's said goodbye to each of these companions in turn, and then he's sort of gathered them all together again, only to have them leave again. Right. Um, so, you know, that would be kind of the thing I would say to have, I think that's what the doctor has on the brain, and maybe what we should have on the brain is, in a very nihilistic way, what is the point of these companions? You know, if if yeah. if, if they all end in loss and they don't even all have you know he maybe doesn't even always have a positive effect on them you know and clearly I can think I think that we can say that he does you know like Martha's and Jack's characters are positively improved but I don't know that the doctor sees it that way I think the doctor listens to Davros and sees them as being negatively influenced into becoming these sorts of soldiers. Um, yeah. So, you know, just sort of keep that stuff in mind is sort of, again, in that nihilistic way, why do you have the companions if this is what happened? <laughs> like, right. that's right. kind of the, what that look says when it's him by himself in the TARDIS is, you know, well, here it is again, like it always is. You know, and, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, that doesn't seem like a, even at the end when he lost Rose, it was kind of a, well, I'm reluctant to let Martha on, but I know she's good for me, so I'll let her on. Here, Mm -hmm. there's less of that sense of, you know, I need to go out and, you know, I shouldn't be alone, I should go find another companion. Um, Yeah, right. So, right. um, I have a few couple, uh, just a few production note things I wanted to flag. Do we have any other like character or thematic stuff that we, that you wanted to make sure we covered? No, I think that's, that's good. Okay. Well, I just had a couple things I wanted to point out actually today. I wanted to point this out because this came out today. Um, there, a university study 
um, on sexism in Doctor Who came out today. Oh, and, okay. you know, if you, if you want to use it to prove certain things about certain writers, you can certainly do that. <laughs> um, I'll like, I'll link to it. You can draw your own conclusions about it. Um, the most interesting part of it to me and most relevant to our discussion is that they ranked um, most of, they didn't have all of them, but most of the new who companions according to various things one of which was the bechdel test um okay. which i'm sure you know you know it's a pretty it's a pretty woolly way to judge a work but you know it can give you certain trends you know it's kind of good in a, it it's it's helpful data even if you know failing the bechdel test doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah. um, do, you, do you want to just give a quick overview for listeners who may not know sure so it's a very kind of rudimentary way of ranking a work's, you know, feminism or sexism or where it falls on that scale. Um, and uh, mostly with film and TV, I think. Um, so in order to pass it, you need to pass three very simple criteria. You have to have at least two female characters. Um, they have to talk to each other. And they have to talk at least once about something other than a man. Um, and it can be a little depressing how few things pass this test. <laughs> so, again, failing it doesn't necessarily tell you anything. But in the broader generalization, it can show you certain trends, which are sure. interesting. Um, the one I really wanted to point out was that um, Donna... So they ranked the... They ranked the companions, so, like, we put all the Rose episodes together, Martha, etc., um, mm -hmm. and see, you know, take an average of, of, you know, how many, what percentage passes the test. Um, Donna, you know, and her episodes passed with 100%. So okay, so in every episode, so in every episode, every episode featuring Donna passes the okay. Bechdel test. Huh. So. I just think that's interesting. Good for Donna. Um, sure. So, and, and it's interesting that she has actually the fewest episodes of the of the companions that they ranked, but okay. But the next highest companion had a seventy eight percent. So there's quite a gap. Okay. Um, yeah, significant. Seems, so she yeah. she beat them out by a considerable margin, and I think yeah, by more you know, than twenty percentage points. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and flying colors you know so i think it just is a nice indicator of you know one like i just think they did such a good job with that character you know mm -hmm. um and you know, i mean the other thing i wanted to point out was you know Catherine tate talking about how how much of a risk it was for davies to hire her considering her reputation as like a comic actor um, sure. And that could have really backfired and that that was a gamble. Um, and so I think it's just worth pointing out, despite the risks, what a successful companion she ended up being. You know, she, you know, is kind of strong, a strong female character, but not in the cliched sense. You know, she mm -hmm. she doesn't have like, you know, any particular physical or, you know, or even intellectual she's no she's no superhero she's pretty ordinary but sure. she's you know strong in other more important and more interesting ways you know but without right. sacrifice you know so she gets to be uh 
you know, dramatic and emotional. And but she also gets to be funny. You know, she right, gets right. to prove her. She gets <laughs> yeah, to prove some her hilarious acting moments. She's so funny. Season. I mean, yeah. and I just think it's great that she gets to prove what a great actor she is and what a great character it was without sacrificing any of the comedy. And that's a tough to do both, um, mm-hmm. especially for women. Um, so, you know, I just want to point out that I think Donna's awesome and that study proves it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, okay. well, and, and I would just add a couple of things along the lines of the Bechdel test and, and sort of feminism and sexism and all that. Um, one is notable. I think we've noted here that there haven't been many women writers. So, yeah, you know, you're, and that's maybe a problem and, and certainly, you know, is something that, that people can look at, but, but then of course, interestingly, it's Donna passing the Bechtel test with, with not women writers. So that's, that's good. That's interesting. I, I like that that comes up, even if, we can still sort of criticize the fact that there aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. Writers. And the study did also rank right. I mean, specifically they were looking at the Moffat sure. and the Davies eras in comparison. Sure. So it gives you a certain amount of ammunition in that debate. Um, but they also did this ranking of the, the stories featuring those companions and everything. Um, yeah. So it kind of um, shows you, you know, who, you know, that, while that doesn't necessarily say negative things about the other companions, I think it shows you that Donna really worked um, and that they put a lot of work into making her a really well-rounded character and everything. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I would just sort of note is that and also sort of this week, we got news of Stephen Moffat saying that the possibility of a female doctor Sure. Would not be ruled out. So, you know, I know that that's future. And, and right now we're talking about series four and mm-hmm. he's thinking sometime after series eight, because we already have a doctor for series eight, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, still a ways to go before we might possibly see that. And he had some sort of caveats and, and addendums and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the the idea just that maybe you know people might want more change more quickly but but there's there does seem to be some opening up there and and some positive uh you know from a a, a feminist standpoint um yeah you know things yeah, going the, on yeah the the, t- the times are a changing and that seems yeah. to be i know he's remarked on that that he seems to be asked that with increasing frequency sure you know whether he's going to cast a female doctor so it seems to be in the air um which is interesting. Sure. sure. Um, all right. Well, we're over time. I have a couple quick things I need to get out. Um, okay. So series four specials. So series four is kind of over, but it's kind of not. Um, so <laughs> right. if you're confused, welcome to British television. <laughs> um, so um, I've mentioned that Russell Davies is uh, ending his tenure soon and Moffat's going to take over with season, with series five but we're not there yet. Um, So before Moffat takes over, um, the Russell Davies um, production team did a series of specials, um, like slightly longer, like special length episodes. So an hour rather than 45 minutes or whatever. Um, And so, uh, so those were sort of 
it starts with the Christmas special, and then they're going to continue into 2009. Um, and so it's sort of to give, uh, you know, to round out the Davies era and to give Stephen Moffat a little bit longer prep time than normal to start to gear mm-hmm. up, you know, to, to start to get scripts together, um, be, begin pre-production, things like that for, for the Series 5. Yeah. So, um, you know, just let, letting people know that that's coming in case they didn't know already. Um, also, just, you know, fun fact, it was while they were prepping for Series 5 during the long train rides between London and Cardiff that Moffat and Gatiss got chatting about how much they love Sherlock Holmes. Um, so they were sort <laughs> of, so they were sort of developing Sherlock as they were working on the beginnings of series five. Um, so the two shows were sort of hatched simultaneously, or at least the Moffat, the, the Moffat, you know, if the Russell Davies, Russell Davies right now has this empire of Dr. Who, Torchwood, Sarah Jane adventures, soon the Moffat empire is going to take over, um, and sweep the world. (laughs) So, um, that's interesting to note. Um, but right now we're still in Russell Davies' world, and Torchwood is still going on. So, um, okay. if anybody out there is watching Torchwood along with this rewatch, you may now watch series three, which is called Children of Earth. It's sort of series three, although it's sort of a little mini series. It's like five episodes or something, rather than oh, okay. um, rather than thirteen. Um, look for Peter Capaldi. Who Again, has welcome to British television. Welcome to British television. Um, it's actually a very good season, um, but it is shorter. <laughs> um, and watch for Peter Capaldi, who has a bigger role than he had in the Pompeii episode. Um, also interesting that Martha and Mickey were supposed to be in Children of Earth. Um, you kind of get the hint of that. Jack says yeah. something about maybe, you know, you could be doing something else, and Mickey goes off with them, but... The actors mm-hmm. were unavailable, so oh. uh, so Russell had to do a quick rewrite and write them out of it. Uh. Um, I was gonna talk about the Doctor Who poll fan poll that was published today, but I think I'll save that. I'm sure we can find some other time to go over some of those tidbits, because okay. um, we are. <laughs> Grossly over grossly time. Grossly over time. So maybe we'll uh, just hold that off for now. Um, and we'll come back to that some other time. Fair enough. Well, so, okay. Well, and we'll be back next week talking about uh, the first of the Series 4 specials that you just referenced. First of this, the first of the specials, the Christmas special, which yep. is ominously titled The Next Doctor. Ooh. Oh, interesting. So, um, well, now you got me. Okay. Anyway, so, and we'll also be reviewing season three of Buffy. So next week. All right. See you then.